and then once they became Jewish, then they would be able to become Christians. And so uh, there was a process that they were establishing for people to become believers that wasn't really the intent of the gospel. And so there was that side of it. There's also the other side of it that uh, they were trying to figure out ways to mix the two things together. Now, these are people, These and everybody's always well-meaning, right? Um, I'll just say, they're well-meaning people. Okay, probably. But everybody's always well-meaning. It doesn't mean they're right. And and that was part of the issue here, is that you had people that had been believers. They had grown up in the synagogue. And they had listened to the teachings of Moses and the prophets. Uh, and they had a good base of what the scriptures had to say. And so they believed what they believed. But that's what they had. That's what they held on to. So then you have the gospel of Jesus. Uh, somebody came along, Paul or somebody came along and said, okay, well, Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah. And so he preached that in their synagogues and some of them believed. And so they became Christians. Well, that doesn't mean they left behind necessarily what they had known before and what they had heard before and what they had learned before because that's all they knew. So you had that whole segment, say, of a town that was coming to know Jesus. Then you had this other segment of a town that were heathens. They were idol worshippers. They were pagans. And so they participated in the pagan rites. They participated in, the, in pagan idol worship. Some of them, you think about uh, the religions of the day. You think about the Greeks. And, and the prominence of the Greeks of the day or the Romans of the day and uh, how they were polytheistic. There were temples that were built to whatever gods that they were serving in a particular place and there were religious rites that they followed in order to do that. So there were certain sacrifices that were made. Uh, there were certain things that had to happen for whoever the god was, certain things that had to take place. And all these things took place on certain times or certain years or certain months or certain days or whatever it was. So you had these two religious backgrounds. You had the, the Jewish people that were coming to know Jesus, right? and that was like a natural move forward and a natural move for them. And then you had the pagans who had nothing to do with them, had nothing to do with what they believed, didn't have any background in the Scriptures, didn't have any background in the way that they had believed, the way they worshipped or anything else, didn't know the law, didn't know the prophets, didn't know any of that stuff, but they knew what they knew. They knew uh, whoever the gods were at the time. And so their polytheistic forms of worship is all that they knew. And so you had these two groups coming into the same faith. They were becoming Christians. And so they were going to mix together in what we call the church. So think about that for a second. Do you see any problems that might come up with those two different groups of people trying to mix together in the church? Yeah, right? You got, you got these religious people that they were, you know, the Jewish people, then you got the religious people that were the heathens and the pagans, and somehow they're going to come together for Jesus. Well, Paul was addressing an issue in Galatians in the church, he, but the issue that he was addressing, and, and it really applied to both, and the passage that we're looking at today applies to both sides. It applies to, to both of those groups. 
It applies to the ones that came out of Judaism. It applies to the ones that came out of heathenism, paganism, whatever you want to call that, polytheistic, whatever. So, and he's speaking to both of them. And what he's saying to them, if you read it there, what he's saying to them is that whatever your faith was, it needs to become something else. And that's what he's telling them. He's saying, you were brought up in a certain faith that brought you this far. How far? Far enough to be able to hear the gospel of Jesus and respond to it. Whether you were brought up in Judaism or you were brought up in some polytheistic paganism, you were brought to a certain point in your life through whatever that was. Whatever worship that was, whatever sacrifices that was, whatever rites were involved in that, whatever it was, you were brought far enough in that to this point where you received Jesus now it's time to grow up. That's what he's telling them. And I believe that we need to hear that. Now, we're not coming directly out of anything, most of us. Some of us have, some of us didn't. Uh, and, and most of the time, people come out of uh, some form of Christianity or some form of, I don't know. Uh, I wasn't raised anything. And I, I get that a lot. People that, we didn't really go to church, we didn't know anything, we weren't raised anyway. Okay, so there's that. But then there's those that come out of some kind of formal religion, whether that formal religion would be whatever it would be. If it's Judaism, whether it's Islam, whether it's some form of traditional Christianity, they, they've come out of somewhere. And so you've got these groups that, that come out of these things. I hope this kind of sounds familiar. You've got these formalized groups and the people coming out of that. And then you've got these people coming out of nothing, no belief system, don't believe in the Bible, don't know anything about the Bible, don't know anything about the, the principles of Jesus or anything or God. So they're coming together. And then you've got these overly religious people coming together and we're going to mix them together in, again, where? The church. You see a problem. Well, there's obviously been problems. Uh, we, we have, we've had growing pains as a church over the years between the people that come out of the more traditional faith and the people that come out of nothing. Because people that come out of nothing don't know any better. They say things they shouldn't say. They do things they shouldn't do. They act in certain ways that they shouldn't act if they knew better. But they don't know any better. But then you've got people that do know better. If you were raised in church, you know better. Better what? You name it. You know how to act. You understand it. You know, you know what you're supposed to say when you're supposed to say it. Right? And the fact that people don't follow those rules makes people nervous that come out of traditional religious backgrounds. The fact that, you, that people walk into this church and they can't tell who's in charge makes people nervous. That makes people nervous. They don't know who's running the thing. And that's nerve-wracking to people that come out of traditional religions. They want to know who's running it. They feel safer in that. But that's not always the case. You may not know who is in charge. You may not know who's running things. You may be called Andy. If you happen to look like you're running something and know that, that, that right, Pete? How many times have you been called Andy? Many. Yeah. Pete, don't... Well, we look alike. <laughs> we look alike. <laughs> but if he functions... Yeah, let's say on a Sunday he's functioning in such a way that he's in charge of stuff, then they'll just call him by my name because it's more convenient or they feel better about it or it's, it's like psychological, okay? 
And it's kind of silly, but that's how people are. And that's how people feel about things. That's how they see things. And so there's, there's always a tension when there's the religious and the non-religious trying to mix together. Always. There's a tension with those that are trained in the ways and those that aren't trained in the ways. Or those that are trained in this way and these people are trained in that way. But there's going to be a tension that is involved in that. A misinterpretation, a misunderstanding. However you want to see that, but there's going to be that. And so Paul's solution for that <coughs> was to present an understanding of where these people all came from as the beginnings, as the rudiments, as the, the foundational type layers of things. Uh, he uses a, a word in here, kind of interesting word in here, that he talks about that idea of it being some basic principle or some basic thing that they were uh, coming out of. Uh, and, and there's different words that were used here. It, it, elements was one of the words. Rudiments is one of the words that is being used in this passage. Uh, but the whole idea of that, that basic element, that basic rudiment, are like the basic elements, the basic rudiments of learning. And, and it's really an illusion like the, the word picture you get. And like I've, talk, I've talked about a lot of times, in the Bible, the languages, used, languages that are used in the Bible often paint a picture, like a word picture of something, to give an idea of what it is. And this is one of those, this is one of those times where there's a word picture being painted here of, of things being set in a row. And that's the word picture. And the idea would be immediate, the immediate picture I got in my head, and y'all may not know what this is, but I used to have to memorize multiplication tables when I was a kid. I don't know if you had to do that. But they would set the multiplication tables in rows, all right, of whatever the starting number was, and you just memorized it. I mean, there's no, I don't know any other way around it. You memorize multiplication tables. And so, and so every night I'd go through, and my mother had a record. It was like a little record. It goes on a record player. You know, what, you know what that is? It's a piece of vinyl. It spins round and round. And you take a rock and you scratch on the vinyl with the rock and it makes a sound. Okay? You amplify the sound and, and it can be something. All right? So there were multiplication tables on this record as it would spin around and the rock scraped it and they would say the multiplication tables. And I would go to sleep at night listening to multiplication tables. <laughs> yeah. You wonder why I have problems now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So so I, I, got, I got problems now, all right, from the this. But anyway, so, so that's what I immediately thought of. Or you can think of an alphabet. Or you can think of whatever it is. The rudimentary elements of things. The, the very basic parts of things and how they're put together. And, and things often that need to be memorized, things often that need to be uh, just, just thought of in whatever order, whatever thing that they're brought out in. Those are the rudimentary elements. And so what Paul was trying to say to people is like, we're not going to argue about who's better. We're not going to argue about whether the religious people over here are better or the pagan religious people over here are better. We're not going to talk about those that came out of Judaism, which Paul did. He's not going to talk about that. 
You're not going to necessarily talk about these pagans and heathens over here. Who's better? He's like, just understand that you have been brought out. Okay, you have received some rudimentary, elementary understandings. But you're being brought into something that you need to grow up into. And that's what he was calling the gospel of Christ. It's time to grow up. It's time to leave behind rudimentary, elementary, basic things, and let's move into the plan that God had from the very beginning. Because all those things, whatever wherever you came out of, those things were setting you up to bring you to the point to receive Jesus and receive the gospel. And the reason they knew that is because they had all received the gospel and were now part of the church. You follow me? All right. So wherever they came from, it set them up for that. Now, how can I say that? Well, the reason I can say that is because primitive religions are all basically the same. I'm just saying. So you look at primitive faith in the Bible. Let's say before the law of Moses, go, go all the way back. Go back to the patriarchs. Go back to Abraham. Even before Abraham. Go back to Noah. Yeah, yeah just keep going back. Go back to Enoch and all them guys that came before him. All right, and, and there's generations of patriarchs that lived and died. And after Abraham, generations that lived and died. You got Isaac, and then you got Jacob, and then you got Joseph, and you got all the families that constituted the family of Israel. All those people lived and died. There was no law then, okay? They all went to Egypt. And before Egypt, though, I mean, all of that primitive faith... All of those things that were going on during that time, they were all based on a primitive understanding of God. They were based on a primitive faith in God. They were based on a primitive response, some kind of tactile response to God. That's what they were based on. And so you've got all these generations, whether you're looking at the generations of Abraham, let's say, through Isaac, or look at the generations of Abraham through Ishmael. Those are both his sons. And later on in Galatians chapter 4, if you want to read, spoiler alert, you can read the rest of the chapter. It talks about this. You've got the generations that came through Isaac as being the generation of promise. You've got the generations that came through Ishmael as being the generations that didn't come through promise. They came through the works and the hands of man. All right? And, and so in the book of Galatians, what Paul does, he describes it this way. He says, you've got the children of promise. And you've got the children of the law of Mount Sinai. And, and interestingly, he describes, Paul describes the children of Hagar, Ishmael, the child of Hagar, as the child of Mount Sinai, and the children of Isaac as the children of promise. Now, you wouldn't think that. But that's why I'm saying it don't matter. You want to make this something it's not. Because wherever they came from, whatever side of that equation they're coming from, all of those things that they held in common, sacrifice, what else did they hold in common? Temple. What else did they hold in common? Libations. What else did they hold in common? You go right down through the list of things that they held in common. All of those things were elementary, were foundational kind of elements to get them ready to believe in Jesus. Because ultimately, that's where all that what that's where it was going. Until that moment, until that day when Jesus was revealed, all of that was leading to that. 
And so, to me, this isn't really a, an argument. And, and Paul, obviously, I mean, he is a Pharisee. He, so he, he believed and was brought up in a certain way of thinking, a certain way of seeing things. And, and it was all having to do with that side of the law and that side of Judaism that he came out of. But that's the way he saw the world until Jesus. Now, like I said, last time we met, there had to be a fundamental change in him. Because that was his worldview. That's how he saw things. That's how he understood things. He had to go through a fundamental change where Jesus revealed himself, where Jesus struck him blind, where Jesus brought him to a place of helplessness, where it took a miracle of God to restore sight, where he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he was sent out into the wilderness for years, for years, to learn of Jesus, to learn, okay, how am I supposed to really see the world now? How am I supposed to really understand the world now? How am I supposed to understand you? How am I supposed to understand my place in this world and what I'm called to do? Years. Years it took him that his mind would be changed and that he would see things differently. Who's he writing this to again? People trying to force one side or the other onto the gospel of Jesus. No. No. And that's the point of it. That that's not the worldview. That's not the way it's done. That's not the answer. That this is not just some continuation of something else. This stands alone as God's perfect and complete and utter plan for what he has for all of us. And we have to see it that way. That we're going to leave behind this stuff. We're going to leave behind that stuff. And it's time to grow up. To accept our place in the middle of what God has done. Because you can talk about, you know, well, this is better than that. Who cares? Jesus is better than all of it. Our faith in Christ and, and the gospel that he's provided is better than all of it. All of it. doesn't matter where you came from. It does not matter where you came from. Because whatever was going on, whatever was happening, you come to a point and it's but love. Right. But love and here I am now. Which is better. Better. So why go backwards? Why try to drag stuff that's not better into better? Why try to make the square peg fit in the round hole? Why? Why? And that's what that's the point he's trying to make here, is there's no reason to do that. There's no purpose behind it. There's no advantage to it. There's no reasoning to it. There's, no, there's, there's nothing that needs to be done there to, to make it happen. It's not going to make it better. He's telling, he's telling the Jewish believers, you're not going to make it better by making these people Jewish first. You couldn't even keep the law yourselves. You couldn't even do it yourselves. How are you going to make this better by forcing something on people that you couldn't do? And I know that sounds silly, but that's exactly what they were trying to do. As you know, I run into people. I I lived through this. You know, coming into to, to be a Christian, I I had to you know I was part of a more traditional spirit filled movement that started over a hundred years ago. 
and 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 there was a a real strong element of legalism within it. And I mean legalism, not be nice to each other. Legalism, like women have to wear hats in church. Legalism, or a doily on their head. Legalism, and and so. I, that was something that had to be negotiated because what would happen was I was traveling and I was going to churches and different churches have different flavors, you know. And I might be at a church in the middle of nowhere. Like I might be at a church in, uh, you know, Edwards, New York. You know where Edwards is? Yeah. Somebody probably does, right? You know where it is? Yeah. What's in Edwards? Right. There's a church there, though. <laughs> Yeah, and so those people, and, and I love those people in Edwards. They were awesome. But in the middle of nowhere, secluded community, have some values that maybe people that in an inner city church in Syracuse wouldn't share. For better or for worse, I can't tell you that. All I'm telling you is that things were a little bit different there. Anybody know where Reedburn is? Trisha does. She didn't live too far from there. Now, Reaper's in the middle of nowhere, too, but it's in the Catskills. It's a whole different part of the state, but it's the middle of nowhere. And they may have had some values and some ways that may be a little bit different. All right? And, and that's all taken in. But it's interesting when you start going places like that and you start seeing, okay, well, what are the sensibilities here? What are the things that people say? Well, how are we going to be? You, you see different things mixing in with the gospel. You see different things like, well, this is the way it has to be. And you got to wear a tie on Sundays in certain places. Why? Because that's the way it is. You got to read from the King James Version of the Bible. Why? Because every other version is a perversion. And, and they believe that. All right? And to the point... That that you know, I'm, I'm talking like these little these little like pockets of legalism. Like I would carry a King James Bible with me on Sundays. You know why? I just didn't want to argue about it. I did not want to argue about it. I got it at the house still. It's got my name embossed right on it. And I'd flop that thing open, and I would interpret what it said as I was reading it. I would interpret it so people could understand it. I'd replace the these and the thous with the you and yours. And all those words that we don't use, you know, because it's not 1611. <laughs> and, and I would replace it so people could understand what I had to say. But if you ask me, this is, I got it. It's right here. It says it right on the, the binding. KJV. Because they want to deal with it. And I had a tie on and a suit on every week. Why? Because they want to deal with it. And June wore and would dress a certain way. Why? Because she didn't want to deal with it. But the fact of the matter is, most of those things just don't matter. The church I was a part of, they had the, I've talked about this before, they had little brochures that told you what you could and you couldn't do. You couldn't go to the movies. The movie house. Excuse me. You couldn't go to the movie house. And you you couldn't okay you couldn't drink you couldn't go to the movie house you can't smoke you can't I mean all these rules and regulations all right all right there are places we went women weren't allowed to wear makeup okay women weren't allowed to cut their hair women didn't have short hair 
Okay. Whatever. And I could go on and on and on. The point is, though, that mixing, why? Why? Why do we go backwards to try to mix something in to something that's better? You're going to make better better with something that's worse? No. No. So in this passage, Paul's addressing the believers in the church, and they are believers, but they came out of a certain way of thinking, a certain way of seeing things. But they were trying to bring other believers under bondage. And and that's the way it was before Jesus. You think about being subject to the law. And and when I say the law, I'm talking about, you could say that's the law of Moses. You could say that's the law of nature. And I teach on a law. There's universal laws. Sorry. Uh, law of gravity. You can not believe in it. It still affects you, right? You know, it's, uh, we talk about... You know, law of gravity is in effect here on earth. And and you can get on top of a building and, and, and proclaim your disbelief of the law of gravity until you're blue in the face and tell me, explain to me why you don't believe in the law of gravity. You can tell me that, yeah, I'm never going to believe in the law of gravity. Law of gravity is evil. You can say the law of gravity is whatever you want to say the law of gravity is. And you can get mad at the law of gravity. You can get angry at the law of gravity. You can you you can just 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 say I'm never going to talk about law of gravity again. You can erase it out of your dictionary, your personal dictionary. Law of gravity, no law of gravity. But if you jump off that building, you're just gonna you're gonna hit the ground because law of gravity don't care what you think. Law of gravity, law of gravity does not care if you believe in it or you don't. Law of gravity doesn't care. Law of gravity doesn't care. If if you proclaim it, you don't proclaim it. Law of gravity doesn't care if you're mean to it or you're nice to it. Law of gravity doesn't care if you think it's evil or you think it's good. Doesn't care. It's just the law of gravity. And there's other laws like that that regardless of I don't care about you know what if you believe in in eight commandments out of ten, you believe in nine commandments out of ten, you believe whatever you believe, I don't care if you came out of a whole different religious system, you came out of paganism, you came out of heathenism, here's the law. It, it doesn't matter, if they don't care if you believe in it or not. And it's described in the Bible as this, it's described in a lot of different religious texts, but hear me, whatever a person shall sow, they're going to reap it. That's what the Bible says. And that law does not care whether you believe in it or you don't. It's just going to happen. we got physical laws. In the same way we have physical laws, we have spiritual laws. That just God laid out in the creation. That's my belief. Right, we got the laws of thermodynamics. Well, we got the law of sowing and reaping. All right? And whether or not I want to believe in that, or not, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You know, if, if I don't want to believe an object at rest, we'll tend to stay at rest unless acted upon by evil or, or greater force. I don't have to believe that, I guess, but it's still the truth. It's still the law. And so I don't have to believe in the law of sowing and reaping, but it is what it is. And so that law is what I believe in, in those type laws or what I believe that Paul is talking about here in Galatians, because he's talking to both sides. He's talking about, you got you got your heathens over here, you got your, your people from out of Judaism over here. And 
whether or not there's some, you know, codified law that's written on stone over here and there there might not be over here, it doesn't matter. But that law of sowing and reaping, as an example, is a law that was just built in the creation. That's it. And so the way I often describe that, and this is part of something I do in the internship, is you take a like a ball, like a high bounce ball, and you whip it against the wall, it's going to come back at you. Bang, it's coming. And, and that's kind of the law of sowing and reaping. You're going to do this, you're going to be that way, bang, it's coming back at you. And so the solution, and I'm not talking about the solution of the Judaism or the solution of the heathenism. I'm talking about the solution to the laws that God has laid out in the universe here on earth is Jesus. Because Jesus reaps what we sow. I know you want it to be more complicated than that, but that's the work of the cross. That's the work of the cross. That fulfills the law. Is that Jesus reaps what we sow. So again, that's not particular to anything. It's not particular to any particular faith or anything else. It just is what it is. And in the very primitive faith, the very primitive belief systems that came long before all the formal belief systems came along, they had that principle. Why? Because it's just the truth. It's just the truth. And you can you can put some fancier words to it and make it fancier. You can call it whatever you want to call it. You know, Eastern religions call it one thing. Western religions call it another. Middle Eastern religions call it another. All right, whatever you want to call it, you call it, but it is what it is. And the fact of the matter is, and the good news of the gospel is that Jesus will reap what we sow. And it has nothing to do with us. It has to do with him. He just does. He chooses to. That's his love. That's his grace. That's his mercy. And that's his forgiveness. Which is bigger than we can even think of. And so trying to drag whatever the rights are, or the, the trying to drag in whatever those old beliefs are, whatever, that, that, that doesn't solve anything. It didn't solve it to begin with. It's not going to solve it now. Those ideas of sacrifice and those ideas of the temple and those ideas of libations and those ideas that were, were, were just similar in all those primitive religions, they never solved it. They never solved it. They only pointed out that there's an issue. There's a problem. And, and this is what we're going to do about it. Did it solve it? No. But that's what we're going to do about it. Well, good. Do that. But hey, here's a solution. I'm going to give you the solution right now. Why would you drag any of that that never worked? Never worked. Why would you drag that into the solution? That's utterly stupid.
But a lot of times people aren't the smartest, are we? Right? And so Paul writes them and is like, stop. Just stop it. Stop dragging that stuff in. Stop dragging in the stuff that doesn't work. Stop dragging in the stuff that's never worked. Stop dragging in the stuff that puts people under burden. Stop dragging in the stuff that puts people under slavery. Stop dragging that stuff into this. This is the solution. His name is Jesus. The gospel is the solution. And so stop that. But that's the way I grew up, right? Leave it behind. Well, that's all I've known. Learn something new. Let it go. And so, who am I talking to? Well, all of us. You came out of somewhere. Let it go. It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. But it is your right to be utterly stupid if you want to be. And I will I will support your right to do that even. <laughs> I will seriously support your right to do that and I'll stand by you 100%. Because this question ain't going to change whether Jesus loves you. This question ain't going to change whether Jesus dies for you. This question ain't going to change whether Jesus reaps what you've sown. This question ain't going to change anything. Is Jesus going to fill you with the Holy Spirit if you're willing to receive? Yeah, it doesn't change nothing about that. God's going to use you in evangelism? Good. God's going to use you in prophecy? Good. God's going to use you in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Good. Ain't going to change one thing about any of that stuff. That's why I can honestly, with conviction, say, do what you want to do. I believe what I believe. You believe what you want to believe. When I came into No Jesus, I wanted something different. I just wanted something different. I already recognized that what I'd been doing didn't work. What I'd been brought up in didn't work. I already knew that. I'd walked away from it already. I made my decisions. Like, this stuff don't work. I ain't doing this. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to live this way anymore. I just went about going to school, doing what I was doing in school. And then one night, and I've told this story many times, but Jesus came and he showed himself to me. It wasn't through the hand of man. It wasn't through the voice of man. It wasn't through anything else. It was Jesus showing himself to me personally at night, just laying in my bed. And it changed my life. But I didn't want the stuff that didn't work. Why would I drag that into something that's awesome? <laughs> I walked away from that stuff. I'm not going to drag that in. I have a reason to. It doesn't make me feel any better to do that. I was shocked when we started the church how much stuff I had to include in a service so people felt remotely comfortable. I mean, seriously, like I, I it was shocking. People come in and they're and they're uncomfortable. There are no religious symbols. Do you ever notice that? Not really. You might be able to find one if you really look hard. But, you know, our only, our only symbol of anything that we have, the only image we have in here, we have Pete, uh, which is, is on display, and Elvis. I mean, we got Pete and Elvis. Not exactly like the center of, of Christianity. 
But but sometimes people are uncomfortable with that, with no symbols. And there are other things that people are uncomfortable with. I have people get really upset that we don't have, uh, we don't celebrate communion together every week, because that's what their old church used to do. Or people get really upset that we don't um, pass the peace. Or people get really upset that we, you know, and I could name off I don't know how many things. We don't pass a plate. We don't bring the plates forward. We don't sing the doxology. We don't have a prayer of dedication. We don't, yeah, I know what all these things are. I left that behind. Because that stuff didn't work for me. And if it works for people, awesome. It doesn't, didn't work for me. I left it behind. I walked away from that before I had anything else. And so Paul is calling us, I believe, I believe Paul is calling us to grow up. Just to grow up. Because we have an advantage in the gospel. He describes, you know, those kind of elementary things that we drag from where we came from. You know, they're, they're like the tutor. And they would tell us, we're children. Do this, don't do that. That, that was the idea behind it. It's like we're rich kids that have a huge inheritance, and but we're too young for it. And the stipulations given in us getting the money means that we have to be brought up by people that are going to raise us, like governors and, and tutors and people like that. That's, the, that's like the image he gives us. And so they're just teaching us as children, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that, go here, don't go there, and, and just running our lives. And and at some point, we've got to grow up. It might be comfortable, and some people are super comfortable, people just telling them what to do all the time. Like they want to be told what to do. They want to be told, this is yeah, that's it, do this, do this, do this, do this. And they're super comfortable with that. Well, they're children. Children, that, that that's for children. That's not for adults. And Paul is just saying, it's like, yeah, you got to grow up eventually and gain your inheritance. You got to grow up eventually and get what's coming to you. Cuz it's it's glorious, it's riches, it's it's fantastic. But as long as you're going to live like a child, as long as you're going to live in that place where you just want somebody to tell you what to do all the time, you'll never grow up. You'll never come into that place where you're going to gain the inheritance that God's given you. You're just going to live in that kind of stagnated spot. I don't care how old you are, but living with a child mentality of someone telling me what to do, well, I'm very comfortable with that. Well, of course. Of course you are. Where's the responsibility in that? Where's the decision-making in that? Where's the adulting in that? I'm just doing what I'm told. Oh, yeah. You're missing a key component to what God's done for us. He's got this glorious, these glorious riches that he wants to bestow upon us. The time of the governorship is over. The time of our tutors is over. The time of the elementary things are, is over. And whatever we're coming out of, whatever we came out of, we'll find. But let's not drag that into what we're doing now. Let's grow up and grow into 
the riches that God has for us, the spiritual riches that he has in the gospel. And it's just time to let go. It's just time to let go. I'm terrible working with religious people. And I've gotten better, I think, a little bit. But I've always been bad at it. Ultimately, I just offend somebody or get them mad at me or or something happens. And and I I don't mean to, but it just happens that way. Give me a bunch of pagans and heathens. I'm okay. I'm okay with them. But we got to leave behind where we're coming out of that. Because it's easy to say that, right? Hey, you need to leave behind your heathen ways. Everybody agrees with that? Well, you need to leave behind your religious ways, too. And that's just as important as leaving behind your heathen ways. It's just that religious people can't see that. And I just want to encourage you to, to let God open your eyes. His riches are waiting. Let Him open your eyes that that He He has an abundance waiting for you spiritually. But you got to leave that stuff behind. The, the gospel is simple. It gets complicated when you try to fit all the other stuff into it. That you're not supposed to fit into it because it doesn't fit. That's why people do gymnastics with the gospel trying to make it into something it's not so they can fit the religion into it. It's not meant for religion to be fit into it. There's no need to do gymnastics in order to do that. We don't need those kind of mental gymnastics. We don't need those spiritual gymnastics. The gospel's simple. Simple. Jesus reaps what we sow. And and I'm, I'm totally serious. If you can get that principle, like really understand that, then you understand the cross. You understand the atonement, and I can name off a bunch of big words, but you understand all those things. Because that becomes this basic idea of why Jesus appeared and what he did. But I suppose we need to grow up into that. We need to mature into that. We need to mature into a simplicity Mature into a life that is encompassed by Him. And I hope you can kind of understand that. But love. But love. Love places us in a better place. And there's a word that's used I, as I was researching this. There's a word that's used of the gospel and finding ourselves in the gospel, in the truth of it. And it's just this word that 
is interpreted sometimes in, in the Bible, like in the interpretations that we use, as blessed, but it just means happy. And that's the simplest form of it. It's like, it's a happy place. The gospel is a happy place. Love brings us to the happy place. I don't really know if I can get much more simple than that. <laughs> I think I think little kids could understand that, right? All right. I'm going to take a moment, and that's why I encourage you. We're going to take a few minutes right now, and I left a little time here at the end to do this. And, and that is to, I want you to just literally leave some stuff behind. And what I mean literally. I mean, when you get up out of the table where you're at right now, just leave it. We'll clean up after you, don't you worry. But you leave behind what you need to leave behind tonight. And, and there's a ton of stuff like that. There's a ton of things that where you came from that, that maybe it's just time to let go and leave it behind. It may be religious things. It may be religious ways of thinking. It may be judgments that you carry with you. It may be things that, that you hold on to just in case. Things that you think make you a good person? I don't know. But whatever those things are, I want to encourage you to shed that tonight. Just shrug it right off you. Like you carry them in a backpack and you just need to shrug that backpack off and just leave it where it sits. Because when you get up and you leave this place, you need to leave that backpack here. Holy Spirit, I pray you begin to really reveal some things into our lives tonight. Specific things that we need to leave. We need to leave behind. And I ask that you would highlight those things, you'd show us those things, you'd speak of those things, so that we could just let go. We just let go. Judgments that we've made, we just let go. Yeah. Maybe rules that we've, we've carried on that we need to let go of. Religious things that, well, they need to happen for it to be real. I pray we let go of. Yeah. Lies about Jesus that we let go of. Lies about the Word of God that we let go of. Lies about the Holy Spirit that we let go of. Yeah. Lies about our work that we let go of. Lies about who God is that we let go of. Lies about whether God loves us or not. We just let go of that. 
thank you, you big dog. There's no doubt. There's no condition. And there's no doubt. tonight I, I just ask you that we shrug off the things we need to shrug off we leave that pack behind our religious pack just leave it so Jesus I thank you for your love tonight I thank you for your forgiveness I thank you for your grace I thank you for your mercy I thank you for your presence I thank you God for a simplicity of life in you I thank you, God, that you provided everything we need. I thank you, Lord, that you are the culmination of God's plan and his purpose for us. That there is nothing bigger and there is nothing better and there will never, ever be anything bigger or better than you. And so as we leave behind things that got us to this point, I pray we leave them behind knowing that we're taking hold of something better, something that works, something that's real, and we take hold of you, Jesus. God, I pray that you continue to set us free. I pray, God, that we continue to respond to your Holy Spirit. And God, even in the, in the hours and the days ahead, you show us things that we need to leave behind. We just leave them behind and drop them right where we're at. We drop them where we're walking. We drop them where we're sitting. We drop them where we're working. We just leave them behind. God, we just want to be free. We want to be full of life. We want to be happy. Happy. Thank you for happy. Totally serious when you get up from here. Be free. Just be free. Drop that pack and be free. And I pray liberty. I pray freedom over your people tonight. I give you thanks. Ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Good to see you tonight. UCF of Syracuse is a relational gathering of diversity in action. Economics, education, employment, background, and culture span the spectrum as we gather for the purpose of life in Christ. No, me and Christ are homies. That's good. He's really cool, you mm -hmm. know? He's super close, yo. Your homeboy? Yeah. All right. Anyways, so musicians, writers, painters. You know, my cousin's a painter. Yeah? What do you paint? Houses. Oh, man. My cousin, your cousin should hook up. Yeah. So yeah, painters and other artists express their work through the body of life of this faith community, like the comunidad. Well, yeah, see, so a lot of people. Yeah. No. Started in 1997. That's a long time ago, yo. That's back in the day. That was before I had my eyebrows tattooed on there. I remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As an outgrowth of chaplaincy of Syracuse University, 
UCF continues to gather in the Westcott neighborhood of Syracuse. Oh, me and my homegirls, we walk up and down there all the time. I know, that's our hood. Mm-hmm. So it's in Syracuse, New York, to share the love and hope of Christ. Again, we, we homies. You know, yeah.